Alright, it's the uh, Chance of Gaming, uh, episode 105, oh, sorry, no, actually, it's just 105, episode 5, <laughs> it's just how we label it, um, and yeah, I'm Adam, and with me always is Roy and Richard. Hello, I'm uh, Roy, I live in Michigan, and uh, I mainly play board games, I do a little bit of miniature gaming, I'm not very much of a, uh, of a war gamer, uh, but... That's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm Richard, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I am uh, probably a bored war gamer is what I would call it. Not not a whole lot of minis games, mostly you know historical, strategic war games. Nice. And I'm located in Mississippi, and I dabble in all kinds of stuff, but I prefer conflict. I'm not that big of a fan of Euros. Just not. It's not my thing. You know, it's too bright and colorful and too many people, I guess. I don't know. Euros are good for for the family games. I like playing. There's some Euros that I really like to get out with the family. Viticulture's good. Caverna's good. There's some good Euros out there. But I was going to say welcome to all our new viewers. I noticed my downloads shot up big time on like every episode we did. So hopefully you found something that you liked with us and we'll keep trying. You can visit us at chanceofgaming.com, email us at chanceofgaming at gmail, we're at chanceofgaming at twitch, it's all one word, and always there's patreon.com slash chanceofgaming. Don't you want to toss us a few dollars? It would be nice. So the way, as you can see from downloading all our episodes, the format we do, the first thing we do is what are you playing lately? I'm surprised I actually got to play something, but... Rich is like wanting to talk about time stories. Yeah, I played some more time stories. Uh, my daughter and my friend and his wife, uh, the four of us have been going through some of the modules together. We just finished up another one yesterday, actually. So we're having a good time with that. It's sort of like a mystery solving game. There's some puzzles in it. It's got a little bit of a RPG element to it, but mostly it's just a cooperative puzzle solving game. And some of the puzzles are, are so subtle that you don't really even know what the puzzle is. It's not like you have to figure this out. You have to figure out that there is a puzzle to fig be figured out in the first place. So we're starting to see some uh, sort of backstory stuff in the as we play more of the modules. And now I'm kind of wishing we had played them in order. We did. We just decided not to play them in order, just to play whatever we felt like playing. So I don't think it matters too much, but. It's about time travel, so what's the order matter anyway? But we're having a good time with it. And you also done some Legion? Yeah, played a little more Star Wars Legion. Still haven't played an 800-point game, although I've got enough of the army painted to have a Rebel 800-point army now. I've played 400- and 500-point games. 500 seems to be a nice, sweet spot where – You've got, you know, you can put some heavy weapons on some of the troopers. There's some fun things you can do with it. Um, 400 feels very intro-y, where 500 feels like you're playing a full game. All right. I know personally with that, I got my, I rushed to my painter, got my Rebels painted, and scurried on down to the uh, the local shop. And then it was like, well, my stuff isn't painted. Nobody else <laughs> is painted already. I'm like. How did I get to be the only one? So we're kind of like our our little league is probably three weeks old. I mean, we're fixing to add another hundred points, and nobody has played a game because everybody hasn't painted their stuff yet. So uh, yeah, 
Anyway, I think most of what I've seen has been painted. I, there was one guy I saw that had like a mostly painted army out there, you know, like almost everything was painted except for one squad he hadn't gotten to yet. So most of what I've seen has been painted. But I, I'm starting to see like on the on the Reddit uh, Star Wars Legion subreddit starting to see people that maybe have never played this kind of game before and they're interested in Star Wars and they've heard about it and they're saying, hey, do I need to paint or can I just play it? And um, so I think it's going to be one of those things where you you will see some new people out there and uh, they'll just be pressured into painting it. Let's let's say it that way. <laughs> I, you know, I know it's a new thing, and the problem is, is it's like another investment. You know, it's it's like okay, I bought all this game, and oh crap, I've got to get some glue, and I have to get some a base coat, and I have to buy GW paints because that's all there is, and they're expensive. <laughs> and oh my gosh, G, GW uh, brushes—they're really expensive. You know, so I could see that, especially if you've never done it before, it's kind yeah. of a, a put off. And I mean, I don't care. I'm not a purist. My stuff will always be painted. I really, I will not put my stuff on the table without it being painted. But I don't care if yours isn't, you know. But some people do, man. Some people are like, oh, you know, I get, I get two plus uh, to wound on uh, <laughs> unpainted figs. Like, like yeah, I haven't seen anyone like that, but I'm sure there's, uh, there's, there's always that guy. And uh, you also did here I stand. Still going through it. Yeah, just got another game started on that one. Man, I love that game so much. I still, uh, we played it a couple times last year with actually six people sitting around the table together. This is a vassal game, uh, which is fun, but um, it's obviously the most fun when you're sitting around the table together. So the more I play it on vassal, the more I want to get six people around together to spend all day Saturday playing a game together. Cool. And uh, Roy, what have you been doing? Uh, well, okay, so... Um, I have a regular Friday game night, and uh, this past game, uh, past game night, I played a game called Royals, which um, I actually got uh, as a uh, swag at a uh, convention I went to. And so uh, Royals is um, the game of intrigue. So it's uh, it's set in Europe. There's and there's uh, Germany, uh, England, France, and Spain. And there's different cities in, in different countries there. And uh, you're, you're playing cards to take influence over a king or a princess or a baron. And um, that, so that means that, that that noble then is, is under your influence, I guess. Um, but you get to the point where the board gets all filled up and all of the the Royals are under influences of different players. So if you really want another one, if you need another one, you have to kill somebody. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of a cutthroat game. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. It's played over three ages. And uh, so in the beginning age, there's, there's hardly any assassinations that happen, but by the third age, because you got to fight to get, you know, well, I really need another King so that I can have the, the King bonus. Um, so you have to collect all your cards and lay them all down so that you can kill the king, send him to the graveyard, and then the next king is in your uh, kind of in your pocket. Uh, so that's Royals. Uh, I enjoy that game quite a bit. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been doing. That's what I've been playing. And then um, any questions about that? 
No, it looks interesting though. I like the. Uh, how do you do you plan that with your family, or you said you have yeah. a Friday night game night, or? Yep. So it plays uh, two to five, and I think it's best with. Uh, it's best with five or four. I, I, yeah. I played it with four the other night, um, and uh, so you kind of get to the point where you can see that somebody's maybe angling towards a king somewhere. Um, and then, you know, of course, when they lay the cards down and it's yours, you go, hey, that, that, that wasn't very nice. So then now I'm going to get you back then. Yeah. So that's that would be my question. We were joking just a couple minutes ago about euros. And I said I like euros for family games because my family doesn't like cutthroat. I've got mm-hmm. a few gaming friends that love cutthroat. They're just they're evil. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, my I couldn't play. I don't think I'd play a cutthroat game with my family. And this one looks cutthroat. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so I enjoy playing that one. And then uh, next year on my list is uh, I am part of a, a bar trivia league. Um, so do you guys have, have uh, bar trivia in your in your area? Is that a thing that you guys do? Yeah, yes. we do. Even yeah. in Mississippi, we have that. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I've got some I really enjoy doing it. I was just going to say, it's something I've always really wanted to do and really wanted to get into, but... The only kind I've seen that I really liked was the electronic kind. Instead okay. of, but the most common one locally is the where you write down your answer. Yes. Yep. So that's what we play. Um, and uh, there, there's uh, four quarters. There's three questions per quarter, and they, the 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 first quarter is they're pretty much gimme questions. Um, and then by the by the fourth quarter, they they get pretty out there as far as uh what they are um but so we're in the fourth sorry the third week of of this league that, that has been started and uh we're tied for first um because of course some we're a bunch of geeks that that show up and and play and uh everybody else there seems to be kind of uh i guess maybe muggle is the right right word not not really not really into into trivia or you know they're just kind of there just to just to hang out and drink but um we have kind of a core group of four of us and then my nine-year-old daughter goes too and she's our runner so it's from uh, seven to nine uh at a, a kind of a laid-back bar near me um and uh it's it's quite a lot of fun so, you know, we go and we, we have a bite to eat. We have a few beers and and uh, stretch our brains. And it, it pushes me and it pushes my wife. So it's my, my wife and I and another couple are kind of the, the core group. And then there's um, just various hangers on come along every now and then. Um, but it really pushes us to kind of study a little bit. And like, so as we're, as we're driving to the bar, we, we get on to, onto Reddit or onto the news and like, Oh, who died? You know, what, what, um, what celebrity died or what happened and what's, uh, what's going on in the world right now. So it's, it kind of has a side effect of, of forcing you to be, uh, well-versed in the world. So I, I really enjoy playing that and, and going and doing that. And I recommend it to everybody. So Even if you don't drink. Barbara Bush. Avicii, Vern Troyer. There's your three yeah. for this week. Yep, yep. So that, that might come up. <laughs> uh, but the the so there's a, a final question that uh, you can wager up to 20 points. And the question was, uh, 
this, he gave five U.S. presidents. He said, name these five presidents and rank them by height. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was, was really the, the, uh, the, the perfect punchline for him. So it was uh, Bush 41, Bush 43, Madison, um, oh, shoot. I'm forgetting them. There's five of them. Uh, oh, um, Johnson and Truman. So it's so just the answer is um, Madison is the shortest because he was from the 18th century, and then it goes to Truman, I think, and then Bush, the 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 younger, so Bush 43, and then Bush 41. And then Johnson is the tallest. Um, so that was that's kind of the the caliber of the of the the questions that get asked in the kind of in the final final question. Yes. Do you, do you like to do a lot of trivia nights, Roy? I know here in St. Louis, it seems like February and March, there's just there's different trivia fundraisers every Friday and Saturday night all over town. So that's oh, yeah. a big thing to do in St. Louis in February, March is trivia night fundraisers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, we actually, uh, had a, a canned food drive at, at one, uh, one night. So he said for every, if you bring in 10 items, you get five. No. Anyway, for every, for every canned, canned food, uh, item you, you brought in, you got like half a point. Um, oh, okay. And that went to a local food bank. So that was pretty cool. So that's, yeah, that's what I do that every Tuesday night. And I um, uh, demoed Star Wars Legion, and you know, it seems all right, but I just I need to see more of a player bla- player base there. Yeah. Um, so every time I go into my FLGS, I, GS, I say, "Has any have you seen anybody in here playing?" And not so much. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm still maybe thinking about it. How's the rest of it? great. How's the rest of the, uh, like, is there 40K or Malifaux or anything like that going on around you? Not at that particular store. Oh, okay. No. What's, um, the, what's the biggest game played there? That's the biggest player oh, base. There's, you know, this uh, this particular uh, game store um, is just, it's not, it, they just basically just sell board games. So, you know, there's the 18 double X. There's a, there's a big... Uh, a, a big group that plays those. I think just about every every night on or every Thursday night they have have gaming there. Mm. I have so. a friend that's a huge fan of the uh, the eighteen XX. Yep. Yeah, I think I would enjoy and, them, but I've never played one. Well, and you know I've gone over and watched these guys play this, and they just they sit around and they, it doesn't look like they're doing a whole lot. I said, <laughs> Why do you guys like this so much? I said, Well, it's fun. Was yeah. I know it's fun, but why? And they they play with spreadsheets, and it's it's just a big math game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else Very have you played? Uh, let's see. So, uh, ten days in the USA, uh, which I believe is into a new new printing now. Um, the very simple game of just making a route through uh, the USA, or they have uh, ten days in Africa. Uh, 10 days in, I'm looking over at my shelf here. 
Um, no, I can't see. But it's around the uh, around the world. Various. Um, uh, it's kind of a geography. So it, like you you get a, um, a stand of ten cards, and you start say in this state, and then you can walk to the adjacent state, and then maybe take a car to go across a third state to get to a fourth state. And then there are, there are airplanes that are involved in there too. And um, so the idea is then just to make a continuous route. And so you're, you can't move, once you put the tiles in your rack, you can't move them around. So you have to like trade them with um, some out of the stack. And so you're flipping and trying to get your order right so that you have a full 10 day um, itinerary. So it's a great game for kids. It's very easy to pick up. Uh, for non-gamers, so like you know, it's it's kind of a game that you'd bring uh, as, as to Thanksgiving, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, ten days in the USA. I will say, I wish I had Thanksgivings like that, where we all played board games. That would be awesome. Yeah. No. Uh, Instead, we just argue about pol- politics and stuff. <laughs> oh. Okay. So the so, next. The next thing you had was San Juan, and I just yeah. wanted to mention that um, I really dig that because I'm a huge fan of Puerto Rico. Uh huh. So have you? San Juan is a is a much lighter uh, version of Puerto Rico. It's like and Puerto I've, Rico, well, except you play with cards, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's 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 um, yeah, it's shorter. Played only with cards, and um, uh, it's kind of in the same vein as Puerto Rico. But, yeah, I enjoy that one, too. Um, I guess I don't know what else to say about it. When, when I was first starting out, like, into board gaming, uh, seriously, probably about, like, uh, 2000, early 2000s or whatever, it was, like, the first board game that you would get would be Catan. But the second yep. one would always be, you know, because you're stepping up from Monopoly or Clue, it would be Catan. And then the, the next one would always be Puerto Rico. Yeah, for people. Oh, really? Yeah, at least at least in my area. Right. Uh, that was in there. You know, definitely top five. And um, gum that deck building game with a medieval theme. Dominion. 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 Yeah, that was another big one. Uh huh. But yeah, I haven't played. I haven't played it in forever. I would probably really enjoy San Juan because I really enjoyed Puerto Rico and San Juan, which is cards, seems a lot less fiddly. Mm-hmm. That's a game that I took to work uh, and played uh, over the course of breaks and lunch at work um, because somebody, the person that I worked with said, hey, you, you like board games, and I kind of like them too, so why don't you bring something in? Let's play it. So we San Juan and then um, uh, Ticket to Ride and Dominion, of course. But there's, there's a lot of those games that... that are accessible for people who are just maybe just kind of interested on the edges. And that's one of them. That's cool. If you, if you like Dominion, if you like deck builders, and you want a quick game that you can play at work, check out Star Realms. Star, yep. I have, yeah. I have a copy of that, too. Yeah. Um, I think that's so my then, favorite uh, quick game. Ah. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. So then uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Um We've really been been enjoying this too, uh, and I, we've previously talked about this game. Um, so it's uh, it's a cooperative game where you're defeating the various um, 
like the Dementors come on and the Dementors say that every turn the the uh, the lead hero loses a, a heart or something like that. Um, and uh, the idea is you're playing your cards to uh, defeat the the bad guys. And it's a progressive game. So it's, it progresses through the movies, uses all the artwork uh, from the movies, and progresses through all the books. So if you start with game one, it's an introductory game, and it's Little Harry and Little Hermione. Um, and then you, as you build up in, in uh, experience with it, then you open other boxes. So in that way, it's a little bit like Gloomhaven because there's, there's boxes that you, that you keep that you don't open up until uh, a particular point. Um, and it progresses all the way through the, the whole story. And I think we're up to game six now, six of seven. Um, and we just recently picked up the um, uh, expansion for it, which is the, uh, I think it's the Monstrous Book of Monsters. But we haven't haven't added that to our game yet. Yeah, this is one I'm really interested in. I think that when my uh, middle child and I finish up pandemic season two this is probably the next one that we're going to play okay um and my uh nine-year-old is in the middle of book three and so she's been playing it with us too um we've kind of got ahead of the ahead of her reading a little bit but i mean <laughs> having having you know played a little bit farther on maybe it'll it'll kind of uh spur her to to finish the books yeah, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, and that is a USAopoly game, I think. I myself actually got to play something. I actually managed to get out and find an opponent and play something. Uh, the first thing I got to play was Downforce. Are you guys familiar with it at all? Racing game? I am not, no. It, it, I think I have heard of that. I remember it lost at Gen Con last year, and I saw it, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. But it's also full price, so I'll buy that later. And <laughs> I did. They put it on sale at, like, Barnes & Noble, of all things, and I got it cheap. Uh, I didn't know this. My friend that was playing with it, playing um, with me, told me it is a re-implementation of Top Race. And this mm -hmm. is a Restoration Games game, which uh, they're the people that are currently doing Fireball Island. So it's, you know, they take old games that people really like and shine them up real nice and put them out. This was my first... I heard about the Fireball Island thing. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I think we have that in the news. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, this is my first racing game to play, and I have to say it's really fun and really easy. It was something I, was, I figured out by the second turn. So, if, yeah, if I can do that, trust me, any of you guys will, will just get this and, and love it. It's card-driven, uh, like you have a deck. You have your entire deck in your hand, and you're trying to get your... First, you bid for the cars and get them, and then you drive them based on the cards, like move. But they'll say, like, the first thing, move yellow eight spaces, then move green four spaces, then move black two spaces. So it's, it's like that, and you're just trying to win, and there are three points in the game where you get to lay down a bet as to who you think will win. And that's how you end up winning the game is 
it's like how your cars finished minus how much you paid for them and times your bets. And so, yeah, the, the first time I won, I had like $31 million and my friend had 12. And, <laughs> and then by the, the second time we played, he reversed that. So there you go. It was a lot of fun. So it's interesting. There's a game out there called uh, Flamme Rouge. It's a bicycle racing game. And I wonder if uh, the two kind of look similar. I, I've never played Flamme Rouge. I, I look at it at a miniature market, and I there's been a couple times I've picked it up and thought about getting it, but um, it kind of looks similar to this one. I mean, bicycle racing versus car racing, it's not kind of the same mechanic, I think. I wonder if they're similar. How do you spell Flamme Rouge? Uh, there's two M's in Flamme, so it's F-L-A-M-M-E, and then Rouge. Red Flame, I guess it's French for oh, Red yeah. Flame. Oh, yeah. I see it here. It was uh, put out, in, oh, yeah, and you'll see all the stuff in the show notes as we prattle on. Um, yeah, it's. I've been interested in bicycle games. Uh, I don't think I could actually watch the Tour de France, but, you know, and I certainly couldn't actually participate in it, but I can do <laughs> this. looks fun. Yeah, but hey, so I'm sorry. Who who makes Downforce? Is that Renegade? Uh, no, Downforce is Restoration Games. Restoration. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, See? you were talking about racing games, and I I uh, was reminded of another game, a racing game, the Sled Dog Racing Game. Slug Dog. Sled Dog. Yeah. It's, sled it's Dog. Snowtails. Yes. Snowtails which I have gotten from my uh, FLGS before uh, rented uh, is, is quite a fun game. And it's uh, you have your playing cards to make your uh, the one side of your dog team go faster. So therefore you turn and then there's a break token too. Um, and it's, that's fun. I've, yeah. It's called that's, snowtail. Yeah. I've seen this. I've looked at this before. And okay. uh, that was 2008, and in 2013, it was re-implemented by Mush Mush, which is Snow Tales 2. I don't know what the, what the difference is, but yeah, it looks really fun. Yeah. Sorry to jump in. I just... And it, I well, go ahead, about I mean, that's what we do, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that's... <laughs> the, again, this is another thing that uh, I'll, I'll never do. I won't participate in the Iditarod, but I, I can play it on my table. <laughs> Mm-hmm. where it's nice and warm. And the other thing I got to play, I was sent a demo copy of Face Off Duels, which is a current Kickstarter. And uh, I kind of dug it. My friend and I uh, played it, and I wish I had recorded his thoughts on it because he was like he was way more into the mechanics of it. And um, he said it reminded him a lot of a game called Battle Line. If you remember, I want to say GMT made that once upon a time. Yes, very small card game. I know what you're talking about. Yes, that's a GMT game. Yeah, it it reminded him a lot of that. And it, I mean, it's a really fun little game to play. And uh, the Kickstarter, and I'm I'm trying to get these guys on uh, this week, and we'll have them on for, I guess, the next show. But, um, I mean, it's... I think for like five bucks, if you uh, you can get a print print to play copy, and um, for a for sixteen bucks you get a physical copy. So there you go. It just seems like a real fun, real easy game, and um, 
Yeah, and it also looks like they could really add to it in the future. Mm-hmm. With more factions? Yeah, I, I would see that, because uh-huh. it's cowboys and ninjas at, at the moment. And it, yeah, and um, I really see them being able to add more stuff on it later on down the road. So, let's see. As uh-huh. of this podcast, they've got 17 days to go. And uh, they're about 10% there. I know you get a big spike there at the end, but yeah, I would definitely, it's definitely worth hopping in on this one, mm-hmm. I think, because just for five bucks or 16 bucks. Yeah, yeah, you sent us the, yeah, you sent us the link to that one, and that's one that, um, again, my, my middle child, this looks like something she would be interested in. So I'm thinking about checking this out and trying it with her. Mm hmm. So moving on to what's on your radar. Uh, one of the things that popped up on mine was called Vault Wars. Is this a board game from 2015? Are you guys familiar with it at all? Not no. really, no. Well, it's essentially a fantasy version of the TV show Storage Wars. <laughs> it's like you're like, uh, you know, the Gringotts Bank and Harry Potter or whatever. You know, if Harry stops, you know, paying on his storage locker, so you auction it off to the highest bidder. And and it's just like Storage Wars. It's like maybe there'll be something cool in it or maybe it'll be like, you know, a bunch of just, you know, goat skin or something that isn't worth anything. So I that just the whole idea of fantasy vault auction entertained me. And yeah, I this is something I want to seek out. Uh, let's see. The next thing we had, I actually meant to talk about this last time, uh, but I missed it somehow. It's a Kickstarter for this game called uh, Battlecruiser Alamo. It's an RPG. And the main reason why I wanted to bring it to your attention is it's based on a series of books. Like 20 books, I, I want to say. It's it's a lot. And uh, as of this podcast, they have six days to go, and they have met their goal of $2,100. So it will be available. That's a pretty small uh, goal. Is it just... Are they going to actually print the books, or is it just going to be digital? Uh, it's looking yeah, mostly they do have... di- It looks mostly digital, because at 22 pounds, you get everything in digital. No, for 32 pounds, you can get a uh, physical core rule book. So, okay. And, and on and on and on. But, yeah. Digital's it's, the way to go. We're running this to help fund artwork. So it looks like it's just going to artists. That's cool. And I have to yeah. say, I, I like the the art that i'm seeing on the kickstarter you know yes. it's definitely unique i always like round the the bubble head of uh spacesuits yeah you don't, see, you don't see a lot of those nowadays i just kind of dig that i just started watching the uh lost in space on netflix and they have the bubble-headed uh spacesuits there yeah i added it to my list it looks good okay i i, I dug it i liked it yeah, I, I had some I had some issue with physics when the, um, <laughs> as far as the ice and the ship, like the the ship started icing over, at, like underneath the water, and ice typically freezes from the top down. So I that was a kind of a, a that was a breaker for me. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's not traveler or anything for sure, but. Um... I'm a huge fan of the original series. I watched it in reruns growing up and liked it. Yep. I even liked the dumb rebooted movie uh, from 
what was that, gosh, like 15 years ago? It had Matt LeBlanc um, from Friends and Mississippi's yep. own Lacey Jabert was in it as uh-huh. Penny. Yep. So, uh, yep. so yeah. And I'm, Gary Oldman, my favorite oh, actor. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. He was Dr. Yep. Smith, right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. So I came in with like kind of low medium expectations and ended up liking it. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. Uh, the last thing I had on my radar was there is a Kickstarter for a 28 millimeter 1745 Jacobite Rebellion miniature line, and I'm actually kind of thinking about backing it because I'm a sucker for Scott's stuff, and uh, it's put on by the company that uh, the Flags of War company, and I really like his sculpts that he's got. You know, and yeah, it's some cool looking Scots and yeah. So is this just minis or is this a rule set? Only miniatures. Just minis, okay. Only miniatures, yeah. It's, you're starting to see a good bit of these on um, Kickstarter nowadays. They're like, eh, you probably got your own rules for something or another rule set. So we're just going to make these. Hmm. But I don't know. Nowadays, I think I'm more into 15 millimeter or smaller. So yeah. 28 is just kind of a commitment. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, uh, what have you got, Rich? What's on your radar? On my radar is a couple games that I actually have purchased and have not played yet. So, one, uh, at any cost, Mets. It's a GMT game. Uh, uh, it's 1870 yep. Franco-Prussian War, which, for some reason, I'm starting to like fall into getting more interested in Franco-Prussian stuff lately. Um, but it looks pretty good. The map is gorgeous. It's a chip pull game, and it's got a couple really interesting mechanics to it. Uh, the one that I kind of like, I haven't played it yet, but I've, I've been reading through the rule book and just sort of pushing the counters around on the map. Um, the out of command, I think, is interesting because a lot of games have some sort of out of command system where if you're too far away from your commander, you know, you can't move or you have to move toward him or different things you could do on this one you actually draw um some sort of random effect to determine what your guys do when they are out of command so i thought that was interesting um it looks pretty good though the map is really beautiful so i'm looking forward to playing it hopefully next saturday at my monthly uh historical war game day i i wanted that game i'm a huge fan of the franco-prussian war because i think it's just such an interesting time yeah. history it, it's like um it's the practice run for world war one yeah you, you know kind of and um and in fact a lot of world war one issues were left over from that uh with lost territory and whatnot but uh sure. i just did, i just dig the fact that the germans had a modern army were and the french had a lot of units that were still using muskets yeah but the French did have machine guns or yes. you know, early machine guns. Absolutely, so absolutely yeah. right. It, interesting. They used to, when they would appear on the battlefield, they were scared to death that someone would, they would get captured and they would learn the secret of these things. <laughs> so they actually set them up in little tents, a tiny little tent, a tent around it. So you can't see the gun or the operator. You, all you see are like your buddies getting torn to pieces. And just hear it shooting, but you don't nice. know what it what it is. It's a secret. 
So in this game, the way they do the machine guns is they actually have their own separate counter, um, but the machine guns and the artillery are always stacked together. So the machine guns are sort of like a sub uh, a sub part of the the artillery. So they always move with the artillery unit. They can fire separately, but they're always stacked with the artillery. So that's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was on my list. I almost pre-ordered it. Then you know that's that whole thing with me. I'm like, eh, I got nobody to play this. I'll try yeah. to find it. I'll try to find it on Vassal at some point. I I did read that a Vassal module is out for it now. So yeah, once I learn how to play, we'll we'll play together on Vassal. Yes, I would dig that because yeah, I I want to play it. It's yeah. really cool. And the next thing you have was Charterstone. Yeah, so Charterstone, it's a it's a legacy game. Um, you know, one of those games where you, you play through it. Although they do have uh, what they call a recharge kit for it, where basically any it allows you to play it again. Um, so there must be enough variability in it that it's worth a replay. But uh, to be honest, I got this one because it was on sale. I'd heard good things about it, and Miniature Market had it had it for half off and it looks like it'll be a fun one to play with my kids. It's kind of like a, a village building legacy game. Uh, it looks good. It's made by um, Stonemeyer games. Who, he's a local St. Louis guy. We've talked about him before. Same guy that did Viticulture and Scythe did this game as well. So the artwork is very whimsical. Yeah. Which is not, it, it doesn't fit with the theme of all my like heavy hex encounter games. It looks different, uh, but like I said, I like I like family games. This this the this will be a good family game. I think cool. my eight year old will like playing this one with me because, like you said, the artwork. And Roy, what have you got? You've got that one thing I want. <laughs> so stuff fables, and I this is uh, purely because of you guys that I I heard about this. Uh, so it's uh, my uh, my FLGS has a membership drive every year, um, and so you have to spend uh, like $150 in, in, on product. And um, <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, no, no lie. So <laughs> I ended up with the uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, the the book of or the monstrous book of monsters was part of that, and then Adventureland by Haba. Um, I haven't played that yet, but Stuff Fables is kind of in there to kind of complete the uh, that that amount of, uh, of of material to order. So it's, but it hasn't. It, apparently, they're they're in between printings, um, and they got I don't know eight copies coming to the store, but it's, it hasn't been there yet. But it's eventually I will have it in my hands, and we'll 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 put some some. Paint to plastic and see what happens. Man, I just want to be angry for a minute that I almost had a copy uh, this week. I belong to several like Facebook board gaming for sale groups, and a yep. particular it is a war gaming group. And a guy popped up, and like I saw it first before anybody. Like it, it had been up for about a minute, and like one of the things he had for sale was like stuffed fables for like thirty-five dollars. Oh wow. So, well, I mean, of course, you also have to argue how much does he want for shipping, you know, because, like, I immediately went to, like, Miniature Market and started looking, like, okay, there's this this much plus this shipping, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I messaged him immediately. Never heard back from him. Apparently, like, 37 other people messaged him, too. 
And it all goes, <laughs> it, with Facebook, it all goes to your, if you're not friends with them, it goes into your other folder. And he missed it completely. So I was like, dang, dumb it. Makes ah. me mad. <laughs> now, I saw this game at half price books today. And now it makes me wonder if I should drive back out there tomorrow and pick it up. <laughs> how, much was it, how much was it there? I want to say it was like 40 bucks or something. And I'm just oh, looking wow. at miniature market right now. It's fifty five ninety nine. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, may have I to think I'm pay, paying about sixty for it. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, I want I it. I, I do. I think it looks really cool. I think it'll be fun for me to play. I think it'll be fun for my kids to play. And um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's on my list big time. Uh, moving on to news, the first thing I had popped up on Reddit's tabletop, and it's been since deleted. So I just have just the link for it there. It was titled Steam Forge Games. Company accepts payment for direct delivery from Australian distributor for Guildball, then refuses to fulfill delivery and bars distributor from direct deliveries ever again. So, and looking at the comments, it seems like there's something missing out of here. Something is definitely going on, but something is missing. And people are commenting on it that are like, oh, there's some shady stuff going on at Steam Forge. I don't know. I didn't even know they did a Resident Evil 2 game. And I know, I think we mentioned uh, God Tier last uh, episode is something else they're doing. I honestly haven't heard anything bad about it, but I know things are difficult in Australia to get material and stuff like that because shipping is such a nightmare. So I don't know. So I'll put it up there, draw your own conclusion. And the next thing we had was Borders Tabletop Game Studio defrauds thousands in Kickstarter scandal. It's right in your wheelhouse. I know, I know. <laughs> this is always going to be me. I, I don't trust <laughs> Kickstarters so much. It which finally I mean, happened. Honestly, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, oh, he's been saying it for years. Um, yeah, and in fact, we can actually talk about some Kickstarters just to, when I get done with this. Apparently, this was uh, some kind of tabletop game cafe. It was a, uh, a Singapore, Malaysia-based company. And they were uh, they were going to be a distributor for several Kickstarter projects, including Gloomhaven. And uh, apparently, they just uh, took the money and run, ran away. Uh, people had paid through them, and, and people I mean had spent like thousands of dollars with these people, and uh, they're just yeah didn't didn't send <laughs> Grand it out. Grand theft cardboard. Yes, Grand <laughs> theft cardboard. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I love it. But, but again, this is similar to the last thing. You're talking about a company using a third-party distributor, you know, far from their main office. And, yeah, ugh. I, I, that's got to be a nightmare. I swear, for my uh, my Kickstarter I'm going to do for a case of beer, I, I will only ship in, in the United States. That's all I'm going to do. It's going to be U.S. only. In fact, I do that uh, for my eBay auctions, and a guy really got huffy with me. I auctioned off a, uh, an Eldar army, and he was like, you won't even ship it to Alaska? And I'm like, no, I won't. It's like, well, I'll pay. I'm like, I know you'll pay, but it'll go missing, and then, you know, you'll complain, and I'll lose money. And, yeah, I just, I don't do it. I learned that lesson years ago. I just, I don't. So, One uh, time in the shipping of some unseen uh, Battletech mechs, I got kind of burned that way. 
Oh, man. So, yeah. Speaking of Kickstarters... Which are not unseen anymore. Yeah, it's true. That's very true. <laughs> Speaking of Kickstarters, there was one more... Kind of housekeeping from the last couple of episodes. Number one, someone made a point to contact me and mention, it's like, you know how you mentioned that Ninja Division was just kind of doing the right thing and, you know, they weren't going to do Kickstarters anymore and just kind of they casually mentioned something about drama? Well, no, they're not doing the right thing. If you look <laughs> at them historically, they screwed up several Kickstarters. And that's the reason why they're not doing it anymore. He said, believe me, if they could get away with it, they would. But they feel like they have burned all the bridges they're go they want to, you know, could be burned at the moment. So Interesting. There was that. That was one. And, oh, and I was so excited last episode for the Confrontation uh, Kickstarter. I'm, I was a big fan. Remember, I was the only guy in, like, you know, the southeast United States that had confrontation stuff. But um, have you seen their Kickstarter? It, I've never seen anything like it. They want you, all you have, you buy everything. That's it. Which is, like, $350 American, not counting shipping. And you get, like, oh, you're going to get, like, 100 and some odd miniatures or whatever. I don't care. I don't want that many. <laughs> I just wanted like one, maybe two factions, just like five to 10, you know, each side. I don't need 187, all the different factions, but that is the only way they're doing it. And man, if you take a look at it, I mean, they're, they're funded to the tune of, um, was a couple mil now, I think. Yeah, no, I don't. Now. I don't think it's that high, but they're funded. It yeah. is... Oh no! Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. They are funded to the uh, the tune of seven hundred eighty-six thousand dollars with twenty-four days to go. So yeah, three quarters of a million dollars. Oh yeah, they're big. They were funded in two hours. But yeah, the only thing you can buy is just the other thing, and all it is is if you go into the comments is people are complaining about like, <laughs> you know, who can afford this or blah, 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 you know? And like, why can't I just buy one faction? And the people are accusing them of getting like snippy and like banning people off of it. And yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> whole thing. You, yeah, you can either spend one Euro or 299 Euros, which is $368. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, there you go. That's it. Uh, it makes me sad. So I guess eventually what I'll end up doing is buying the factions I want from somebody who bought it, who's trying to recoup the 400 bucks he lost. If this, you know, company even delivers, that's what another people are saying. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is a new company. I've never heard of them. And, you know, and all of a sudden people are just like, oh, yeah, here's $400. I don't know. Moving on, Fireball Island, as we teased earlier in the show. As of this podcast, $1.8 million with 11 days to go. It's a box of nostalgia. It, it really is. And uh, there are a couple of things I was 
taught on this. Uh, somebody told me about the Tom Vassell Law of Board Games. It's something about, like, if a game... Never pay out-of-print prices for a board game. Because if the game is actually good, someone will reprint it. Yeah, tell that to the ASL guys. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, okay, that's fair. However, in their defense, they will be reprint, reprinted just five years from now. Yeah. When they get when they get around to it, yeah. that's the thing. It just won't be timely. Uh, I was talking to my friend yesterday when we were playing Downforce. I just I don't know. I don't see this as being a deep game. It seems I've never very... heard of this game before. Oh man, when I was a kid, I wanted this game big time. This, yeah, I, I mean it's it's one of those. It's like Mousetrap, where you know it's it's <laughs> as much about. <laughs> seeing the physicality of the game as, as anything. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what it is. But uh, it is $60 for the base game. And, you know, honestly, that's not bad. Cause no, I that's thought, not bad. I thought it was like 100 and something. But uh, you can get 130 which is the game plus expansions. I definitely would not want to get into it that deep. Maybe 60 yeah. but... You gotta now what, think. If what are the expansions? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, talking all over. What, what are the expansions? Is it do they actually add onto the board, or is it? It says "Wreck of the Crimson Cutlass," "The Last Adventurer," "Crouching Tiger," "Hidden Bees," and one treasure trove expansion per game uh, per base game ordered. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm looking at the bottom now here. So uh, one of the expansions has a fifth player with its own piece, different colored marbles so that you can get poisoned, a giant boulder. So, yeah, there's. it looks like there's enough. There's some different things to it. Yeah, they are. There are the expansions are actually new board pieces. So Yeah. Oh, it's, it's even got a little catapult. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you know, a kids would love this game. Oh yeah, they, absolutely. They, they, yeah. they really would. And but I mean, if I can buy it now for sixty bucks, and it'll probably cost me what twenty to ship it, because this looks a pretty big game. Because um, the the original one was enormous. Uh, I really think it would be retail for about sixty, which means you could probably get it for around forty, fifty from miniature market or something. Mm-hmm. Or or Amazon or or my local gaming store, or even Walmart. You know, if it's that popular, you kind of expect it to end up at Walmart. That's where the original one was sold. Well, wow. Here you go, Richard. April twenty fourth. What is that? On Tuesday. Yeah. It's going to be at Pieces in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. That's They're a gonna, board game. Can, that's a board game cafe here. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you can be there and demo it. Yeah, there you go. Tell us. Tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, Tell them who I... you are. They'll be like, just be like, I'm Richard from the Chance of Game Podcast. And they're like, oh my gosh, sir, right this way. We, we've got your copy ready for you. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. I forget you guys actually live where things like that happens. I just, I, yeah, I just hear about it. I, I always get to like the thing, like back before I went to Gen Con and was doing the podcast, I was like, hey, uh, can I interview you guys? And they're like, well, are you going to be at Gen Con? And I'm like, no, I wish. <laughs> but no, uh, nobody comes down here. Anyway, what? my question is like, what game would you like to be re- re- rebooted or reprinted? Payday. 
I I played the hell out of Payday back in the day as a kid, and I that's that's kind of one of those things that's uh, um, nostalgia for me. So yeah, I want to play that. Every time I go to a thrift store, I look around and see if there's a Payday with like a you know all the all the pieces to it. You get frustrated seeing these posts on like Reddit and people go, "Oh, I found this at the thrift store for five bucks." You're like, "I never find anything good at the at half price uh-huh. books or." That's definitely not a thrift store. So, uh-huh. yeah, for me, it's just I mean, there's a number of uh, of old war games that I would love to see reprints of. Um, maybe even some of the older games with some updated mechanics. But in a, in a way, a lot of those have already been done. I mean, there are there are older games um, that have been revisited in theme and scope and era and all that with, with newer mechanics. So there's so much out there that there's nothing I'm really dying for. There's just a lot of things that I've heard other people say, Hey, this was a great game. And I know that I won't get a chance to play it, but not too bad. I have one and that's dark tower from Milton Bradley. (laughs) I just remember seeing, like, older teenage kids playing it, because it came out in, like, 81, and I was six. I just remember, as I got older, seeing older kids playing it, and it was electronic. And so it just seemed like it was the coolest thing ever. But again, no one has reprinted this game, so it probably sucks. But, yeah, and it goes for, like, hundreds of dollars on eBay. Oh, yeah, 460 (laughs) is the current one that's listed on BoardGameGeek. Wow. And even the parts for it are, like, super expensive. And, uh, yeah, this one's always been on my list. Orson Welles apparently did the co- the commercial in 81. But, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Restoration Games can get on Dark Tower. Make that happen. So, moving on. Um, there was a... This this will be a link to... Uh, Con SimWorld posted a uh, World in Flames Deluxe Collector's Edition sneak peek. And I just thought this was interesting because World in Flames is like one of those crazy games that like, who, what madman would ever sit down and play this? Because it would take up like, you know, your entire uh, dining room table. Yeah. So this is kind of like what I was just saying. I mean, a lot of these older war games, um, I mean, if you look at games like Fortress Europa, Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, these old classic SPI games, these are the kind of games that they were. And World in Flames, I know I've heard of it. I've I've obviously never played this one, but is this an older one that's being reprinted or is this uh, is this a newer game? No, as I understand it, World of Flames has stayed in print. It's just a big box game. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just one of those where people, you know, it's it's literally, it takes up your entire dining room table for like a month, you know, to, yeah. to, to play it. Yeah. And, I, I like the idea of those kind of games, but I just don't know if it would hold my attention. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where you set it up and if you can leave it on the table for six months or even a year maybe, and just play turns every now and then it becomes a sort of hobby in and of itself. That's true. That's very true. You don't let the cat in where he, you know, he knocks, <laughs> yeah. knocks over Australia or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. That'd be bad. But I've got games a lot smaller than this that, um, 
again, similar in scope, similar in era, um, where I can leave it up on the table for a month or so, and it'll take me that long to get through the game. Yeah, looking at Board Game Geek, the playing time is 120 minutes to 6,000 minutes. Quite a quite a span. <laughs> I I will say Matrix Games has it for uh, you can buy it for the PC. Really? Yeah. Which that's infinitely easier, but uh, it's a hundred bucks. Oof. <laughs> although although granted, you know Matrix Games does like you know twenty twenty five percent off sales throughout the year or whatever. But still, um, my biggest problem with games like this is like when you scroll down, and I'll have this posted in the show notes, when you look at the screenshots and stuff like that, it looks like I'm playing it in Excel on like a Windows 98 machine, you know? Yeah. It's just, there's no graphics or, or any, no oomph there, you know, to it. It, look, it looks boring, you know? Now, granted, I don't need, like, animation or, or stuff like that, but just, I don't know. It, it really looks like I'm playing it with Microsoft Word versus Microsoft Excel. I don't know. But I'm assuming what it is is you're, you're fighting out World War II or possibly World War III, something like that. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, you not only you get these gigantic books, you know, with it. Because, yeah, I don't think this, it's not a download because they have to ship this thing to you. Because you need the the books, so you know, learn how to do it. I don't know. Who publishes it? I'll ask him to send Richard a review copy. Yeah, and uh, and for <laughs> show one hundred, I'll have my review. Yeah, we'll see him in six months. Yeah. <laughs> in the five thousand nine hundred and fifty eight hours or at minutes. Yes. <laughs> so moving on, the next thing is um, Free Nations is coming to Team Yankee. And I had recently gotten rid of my Team Yankee stuff. I went out and I got like a British force and a, uh, a Soviet force and I got them painted and nobody around me was playing and blah, blah, blah. And it just, I got rid of them. And then like a couple months later, I run into a guy at my local shop that plays. So dadgummit, I think I'm going to buy into this so I can play the French. And, uh, yeah. If you didn't know, Team Yankee is, um, it was a battlefront games this is their world war three game it's this is the same company that plays uh that makes flames of war and team yankee is essentially world war three and flames of war it's east germans and russians versus everybody else so world war three games you see a couple different varieties you see basically present day and near future games and then you see a lot of 1980s games that's what this is this one 80 okay yeah Cold War Gone Hot okay. is, is, is what it is. And they do some cool terrain, like McDonald's and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> which is just kind of neat. So, <laughs> What a great opportunity to blow up a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. You have to save it. That's where they have the Freedom Fries, you know. Oh. That's, that's the thing, yeah. I guess I'd rather blow up a Chick-fil-A, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, there were none in the 80s. Oh, okay. What was a chicken place in the 80s that isn't around? I don't know. I'll find some. I'll post them in the show notes. Surely there's some great ones. It could be like you know, just the local ones. I guess it would be whatever it is in Europe, too. European oh, yeah. 80s chicken place. I'll find that out. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Gates of Antares, which is a great game that I want to play that no one plays in my area. 
is, uh, which is essentially it's space bolt action. But uh, they have a new faction coming out. Some drones uh, things. And I, drone scourge or something like that. I don't understand it because I hate it when companies do this where they try to get fancy with the press release and they make it look like, you know, it's a stolen piece of Intel or something or something that was downloaded. I mean, that's great and all, but, you know, I don't understand what you're saying. I'll, just just tell me what it is and, like, where I can buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really care about, you know, the, the background or whatever. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not stealing anything, you know? It's, yeah. I'm not downloading anything. I'm not a spy. I'm just a dude that wants to buy this. Help me out. So anyway. There's already a lot of factions in that game. Uh, yeah, there are. There's four, five or six, I think. I don't know. It's it's on my list. I've got some that uh, I picked up pretty cheap that I want to paint up and try it out since I enjoy the way Bolt Action plays. So moving on, Asmodee. Which, golly, do they? I can't remember. Do they own everybody, or did somebody buy them? Uh, I never remember. Yeah, we'll, we'll they check own back in now. one year, and they will own everyone. So yeah, <laughs> them they, and Disney. Yeah, no lie. And, well, <laughs> Disney will buy Asmodee, and it'll be complete. Um, they have released a line of modern classics, quote unquote, board games, which are these are like the pioneering titles. This is kind of like what we mentioned earlier. And I'm assuming they'll be a little cheaper or just kind of available everywhere or both, kind of hope. But it's stuff like uh, Ticket to Ride Europe, Catan, Carcassonne, uh, Dixit, Pandemic, Splendor. So these are kind of games that, like, you know, hey, I'm just getting into board gaming. What do you recommend? And they're like, well, this is what we talked about. This is the kind of stuff that you would mention. Yep. Yeah. Dixit is the only one on this list that I haven't played, but all the other ones are – yeah, I mean I'd be happy to break out any one of those at a, at a family gathering and play those. I never mm-hmm. played Splendor. Yeah, never played Splendor. I think that's it. I'm, or I may have a digital copy of Dixit, or I may be thinking of something else. I don't know. Regardless, I haven't played it. I haven't turned it on. I'm bad about that, about buying – like, oh, man, this board game came out digitally. Yay, let me get it. And then I just <laughs> never, I never play it. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> so moving on to, uh, this is Red Raven Games. has got this uh, game called Megaland. And this is interesting to me because it caused a lot of controversy because apparently people want to play this game. I'm not sure if it was kickstarted or not. But it's apparently it's something people want to play, and it is a Target exclusive. So, to my knowledge, this is the first time that's happened. So, we've seen Target have exclusive versions of games before. Um, there's been a couple games that I can't think. I want to think like uh, maybe Cards Against Humanity and some other game had some Target exclusives that were versions of those games that were only available at Target. But yeah, I think this is the first time that the actual game has only been available at Target. That's interesting. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if this is something we want to do, if this is a road we want to go down. I don't know. Yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, you're going to see... 
it's one yeah. thing when it's when it's a version of a game, um, but yeah, it is interesting. I don't know. It's it. I will it's all, say it's all, pers- personally from the video game world, it's a pain in the ass. You know, where where you're having to if you want like all the stuff, right? You have you have to pre-order it literally at all the different places because they all have extra stuff that you can only get here or occasionally. It um. Very rarely, but it has happened. Uh, companies will lock down, like, you can only get it from us for, like, a week or a day early or something like that. Best Buy has the exclusive. Get it a day early, you know, and, you know, and it just kind of drives things that way. But apparently this was a, a game people wanted. I just remember people commenting on it. And it looks like they had kickstarted a bunch of other games, but not this one. So maybe Target reached out to them and said, hey, we'll pay for this game to come, and we just get it exclusively. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of it, and I don't know if it's, yeah, looks that interesting to me, but, yeah. Maybe. The art looks nice. I, yeah. I like the, the, the art is whimsical. Yeah, it looks like it's kind of a kid's type thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, ages eight plus. So yeah, available at Target, which means it'll be on sale eventually. <laughs> so moving on, uh, War Machine. I'm sorry, Premature Press has announced the First Shot program, which is a very special organized play team event specifically designed as a way for parents to introduce the joy of War Machine to their, I love how it says, to their of-age children. Because I think, I think I can't remember uh, what the uh, War Machine is rated, but yeah, it's not all ages. Because yeah, there's some people dying and, you know, some people getting um, eaten or whatever. So yeah. So it's this is for kids. You can teach your kids how to play War Machine. Which, I, again, this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like that. I, I, I don't see, like, 40K, like, going, like, ah, teach the kids how to play 40K. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting to see exactly what it is. I know in my experience, um, it's all about theme with the kids. Like, my, you know, the, the my younger two are both really into Star Wars, so they're more likely to play Star Wars games with me. My eight-year-old, she likes to play X-Wing. She likes to play Imperial Assault. I haven't played Legion with her yet, but I think she'll probably try that too. And, you know, she doesn't really get all the rules and everything, but she likes playing it because she likes Star Wars. So, Well, I mean, <laughs> kids play, you know, competitively with their toys anyway. You know, especially boys, you know, they're playing with G.I. Joes or Transformers or whatever, and they're fighting other toys. And, yeah, it, that, it's only natural that yeah. you just, could just slide right into war gaming. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's normal. So last thing we have, and I swear we've talked about this before. I thought maybe Richard had mentioned it, but I'm not sure. It's Z-Man Games announces a choose-your-own-adventure board game, House of Danger. What we talked about, we talked about the legacy of Dragonholt, which is ah, okay. basically a choose-your-own-adventure game. So Yes. Yeah. This is a narrative adventure game, the House of Danger. I hate there's not, you know, that much uh, about it. I just want to know, is like, what is it? Is it 
I love the artwork and everything. It all looks just like Choose Your Own Adventure. Okay, it is a card-driven game. Now that I actually click through to Z-Man. And, uh, yeah, it is a card-driven Choose Your Own Adventure game. And it's going to depend on price for me. Yeah, uh, once we finish up Legacy of Dragonhold, um, you know, when this comes out, I don't know if I'll get this one or not, but it would be interesting to compare the two, see what what the difference is. Because, like I said, Legacy of Dragonhold, it is a choose-your-own-adventure. But judging at least by the graphics on this one, I mean, this has the actual graphics from the old choose-your-own-adventure book. So yeah. I don't know if that's a, a license that they got or if it's uh, <laughs> just some very convenient font. I will say I clicked through to, to pre-order to see how much it is. And, oh, guess who owns Z-Man Games? <laughs> Asmodee. Oh. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that, but apparently it is because you clicked through Asmodee. And uh, it's twenty four ninety nine. Oh, that's not bad at all. Uh, yeah. This looks like I don't, fun. I don't want to pay that much. So I think I would do what's 20% off of... Uh, of twenty four ninety nine, about like what twenty bucks? Yeah, I I think I would pay that. I guess I it depends on replayability bucks. too. So. And yeah, I wonder if you can add on to it or you know something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the show, and I hope you enjoyed it. After we got all these new listeners, I know some of you are probably like, "Oh man, he's terrible. What happened? I loved all those other four episodes, and he dropped the ball." I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this is us, and this is what we do. And uh, we hope you come back and continue to listen. And drop us an email at chanceofgaming at gmail.com and just tell us what you think and uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, who you'd like to see on, if you would like to be on. You know, just let us know. And uh, we'll see you guys. Yes, tell your friends. All your friends. Put up flyers at your school. And uh, (laughs) we'll see you guys next time. All right. Good night, guys. Bye, guys.